So, Gunnar, remember on the previous episode a little while back, we were we were talking about the Gartner hype curve? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and then there was that one spot on the hype curve that talked about um, buying a Peloton. Yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. As mm-hmm. one of the stages yeah. of the coronavirus uh, quarantine. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So I got I got a treadmill, not a Peloton. Um, got it, got it moved. It was heavy, uh, and, and I did predict it properly that I did hurt my back trying to like move it. <laughs> and um, several hundred dollars later of uh, hiring a couple guys to move it, um, I got it all up and running and um, I'm actually doing pretty well with it. I, I was like nice. last night I was on there for like 50 minutes. Nice. Good for you. You're, yeah. you're just, uh, you're, you're, you're walking it. You're perambulating. Uh, like I'm doing like the cardio thing and it's like, I saw, I saw something, about um is it h i i t high intensity something rather interval okay. uh training mm-hmm. i don't know if you do that i've i've you know, seen i've seen the word before I, I never knew what it meant but yeah it's like you you like run really fast and then you slow down and then you you know and recover and then you run really fast and it's supposedly uh like instead of like just like running for a long time you could basically get the same return for less time by doing the intervals i I haven't done it yet i want to try it but i was doing like the cardio setting and then i was doing another setting where um like you wear the chest band and then you could you know you plug in your weight your age your height and everything and then it figures out like do you want to be at um there's cardio one which is like 60 percent of your your pulse capacity or do you want to do hr heart rate two which is 80%. And then I was like, it's like, all right, we're going for it. We did like 80%. And I was like, holy cow. I was like worn out. But I, I wasn't, most of the time I wasn't running. I think it's just a matter of me. It's it's less about, it's more about getting my pulse up and getting a good sweat going than it is to like all of a sudden just run a marathon. I, like, I, I think I'll get there. And, uh, but how, how did you start off? Is it um, just walking fast and then doing a, a jog and then, Till you started coughing and then, or, or how did yeah. that work? Yeah, basically. So, um, so I followed the, uh, the, the, the famous, uh, couch to 5k program. 5k. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's, it's basically that it's, um, basically, uh, do as much as you can for five minutes and then walk and then five minutes and then walk. And then eventually the five minutes becomes seven minutes and then it becomes 10 minutes. And then eventually you're doing it the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. and so, uh, that was, Effective, very effective for me. And then I noticed that, um, uh, you know, I don't have any creativity or even special training on this at all. So I just let the, my running app tell me what to do. And I've mm-hmm. noticed that when I say like, okay, well, I'm training for a half marathon. It will, um, uh, it will actually encourage me to do a slow, do basically the intended distance slowly. And then the next mm-hmm. day or on, you know, and then you have an off day and then the next time you come back, it's, mm-hmm. um, do it. 10 minutes flat out and then walk the rest or slow or, or go slow and then fast and then slow and then fast and then slow. And then the next time around you do it, you do a slow pace. Um, mm-hmm. and in that way, I guess you're building up your, your capacity with the interval training and then you're kind of locking it in with the, uh, with the consistent, at least that's the story I'm telling myself about why they make you do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah, I got I got to play with around with it, but it's like I'm surprisingly enjoying it. And I I was doing like the yesterday I did like an audio book, um, and then I was doing like Netflix episodes and things like that, which that really makes the time go surprisingly fast. Yeah. Um, to like like I'll I like I'll set the timer for the length of the episode, whether it's like 35 minutes or 50 minutes or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. That's, uh, I find I really need to be distracted. Um, I know some mm-hmm. people apparently can just listen to music or something and that is mm-hmm. not effective for me at all. Um, uh, Netflix is great, especially if you're walking, uh, and stuff like that. Uh, watching TV can, can help. I found, uh, uh, podcasts even help a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. for a while there, I was, running to you know the economist if you're an economist mm-hmm. subscriber oh, right. they'll give you the uh they'll give you the the audio version you know it'll be read to mm-hmm. you in a soothing english uh, accent and mm-hmm. uh, i found that was great uh, i could actually get through uh an entire uh copy of the economist in under a week if i uh, if i just ran oh. listen, listening to the audio version um okay at 2x speed <laughs> which is apparently right, right, the right. only way i can actually consume a, an edition of the uh, of the economist but um yeah yes yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, well, the audio book um, I was doing last night was one I've been into. Um, it was called uh, The Great Influenza, mm-hmm. which was about the you know Spanish flu, or mm-hmm. you know in 1918. Mm-hmm. And it was imagine this, you know they're they're they were talking about like oh people should wear masks and people were fighting wearing masks and you know it and there was like the Wilson government was. Um, yeah, you know, they're being like uh, like Ministry of Propaganda in terms of like you're not allowed to say anything bad about the government, and mm-hmm. otherwise you get locked up. And um, but there were there were like all these um, very interesting things about how like things haven't changed a whole lot in the past hundred years, uh, in, in as far as how that goes. And um, it's a fascinating book. I don't know if you've read it. I have not read it. Um, it is on my uh, it is on my list. Um, and, uh, yeah, timely, uh, to be reading yeah. about the, uh, the great influenza. I remember I listened to, I think it was a 99% invisible episode, uh, that was on recently. And it was about the mask controversy in San Francisco in mm-hmm. 1918 during the influenza. And there was a, there was actually an anti-mask league. Oh, wow. Um, hmm. of, uh, concerned business owners and citizens who, uh, felt the mask was being, was counterproductive somehow. And, um, anyway, great episode. We'll put oh, it into that. In the probably like robberies or. Yeah. Robberies and also just, uh, reflexive reactions to the government, you know, not telling people what to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing too. It's like they, they were like the way I saw a thing on the internet that was basically like, you know, one of those images that go around the internet, but, um, you know, they're basically describing it as masks are like pants for your face. <laughs> and and if you think about it right you know it's sort of like yeah it's sort of it, it keeps stuff covered up keeps the fluids from getting on things that you don't want to you know yeah. th- some really good analogies like would would you sit on an airplane seat that uh somebody was sitting in that wasn't wearing pants yeah right no of course not probably not of course not no yeah yep yeah, I'm still yeah. I'm still firmly on team mask. I know Texas is starting to open up a little bit, but uh, I'm not buying it. I'm a... Oh well, that's that's the other thing too. Is it? I I think people don't realize that just because it goes from red to yellow to green, that doesn't mean that the pandemic is over. 
it means that they have a hospital bed for you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an important distinction to make. It's huge. And I, and it's like, once I, I, that's another thing I saw on the internet and the internet has been helpful over the past week, but, um, you know, between that as, uh, and you know, it's like, oh, that now that makes sense. So it's like my risk tolerance isn't what it is that, that others have, you know, in terms of just social distancing and all that. Yeah. 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 That's right. We're all kind of feeling our way through this experience together. I think people are, uh, I see some people walking around without a care in the world and I see other people, you know, fully, fully masked up and gloves and everything and kind of everything in between. So, yeah. 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 So what's new with you? Uh, okay. So two pieces of news. Uh, first is, uh, Soren lost his tooth. Mm-hmm. His first, first one. tooth, first first tooth, his mm-hmm. front tooth. Uh, thankfully, so he's got a one car garage. He likes telling everybody, mm-hmm. and nice. uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm happy to report. I thought that it would be a uh, heartbreaking experience, holding hands, lots of tears. Um, I caught him uh, twisting the tooth around. You know how you mm-hmm. you know how you want to do. Oh, when yeah. you, when so he's twisting the tooth around, and uh, and then before I knew it, he was in the bathroom. Uh, with his face all scrunched up, his eyes shut, and he just gave it one good tug. And with, wow. I wasn't even in the room. He just did it on his own. And uh, yeah. he was so excited to get it out. And uh, so I've got this great uh, photo of him with this uh, great big bloody grin on his face. <laughs> yeah, like he was just in a fight or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should see the other guy. Yeah, right? exactly. The look of triumph on his face. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Um, so that, so that was, that was, that was a big to do here in the, uh, in the Helixon household. The other thing that happened is, uh, I finally invested in an infrared thermometer. You ever have one of these? My wife bought one and it worked on me, but didn't work on her. It was weird where you, it was like, it would tell her that she had a fever, you know, like hundred degrees or, or like over, you know, and where for me it was fine. And so really weird. Yeah. And it was uh, consistent. Like it was fine for me. It was fine for my daughter. Huh. But with her, it was like several degrees higher. So she was freaking out, thinking she had some. Oh right, yeah. Because it couldn't be the thermometer. Well, so this thermometer, although you can measure foreheads with it, uh, I am using it in the kitchen. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, yeah, right. Okay. I'm I'm just so conditioned to like you go into some of these buildings and there's zapping your head to see how warm you are. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, you could use this thermometer for that. Apparently, there's some manual calculations you have to do afterwards to account for the fact that you're measuring a human and not uh, you know a piece of metal. But uh, yeah, no, this guy it's got a it's yeah. got a sweet laser on it uh, to tell okay. you what it's actually measuring. So you hit the trigger, okay. sprays a little laser on the target, and once you yep. paint your target, in my case, it's a frying pan. Uh, mm-hmm. paint the frying pan and, uh, and I can know for sure whether I'm on, uh, you know, medium high, medium, medium low and so forth. Cause I do not trust, uh, my range, uh, to tell mm. me what the, uh, what the temperature of these pans is. So, uh, now I can, uh, with great confidence, uh, you know, scramble an egg. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I'm sure that that provides a lot of comfort. It does. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. And take that next, uh, time you go traveling with, uh, Little gun shaped thing with a laser in it. Um, TSA <laughs> people, they'll just love it. You know? That's right. That's right. They'll high five you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, that a particular tool may stay at home. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, anyway. All right. Uh, well, man, what are we going to talk about today? 
We, yeah, so we're going to be talking about masks with mouths. Uh, we're going to be talking about parks with robots, mm -hmm. Zoom with security sold separately, and hotels with larcenists. Nice. Oh, this sounds mm -hmm. like a classic in the making already. Oh, yeah. These are yeah, great it's topics. a new classic. Yeah, a little bit of COVID, <laughs> a little bit of weird stuff. You got robots. Yeah, something for everybody. Yeah. Security. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if people want to... Uh, 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 see uh, all the stuff that we got here um, that we're going to be talking about are, are robots and masks with mouths. Uh, where do we need to send them? Yeah, if folks are looking for links to uh, that 99% Invisible episode, uh, uh, my thermometer recommendations, uh, where they can get a copy of The Great Influenza, um, they can go to uh, dgshow.org. Uh, that's D as in Dave, okay. G as in Gunner, show.org. Yep, nice. Yeah. Yep, and then uh, cutting room floor. It's it's a very rich one. Uh, a lot of a lot of AI in it. Uh, something for everybody. Um, so that you know that the GPT two, where I think there's a GPT three coming, but at least with people are getting their money's worth out of GPT two, where um, yeah, we got one where you could generate your own uh, uh, AI generated politicians. So mm -hmm. it's basically a, a mashup of I think it's Australian, uh, you know, members of par parliament or or UK members of parliament, and um, they're all mashed together, and you could you could build your own yeah. uh, with an AI, right? Yeah. Which is um, great, actually. But the highlight for that for me is not just the uh, composite faces that it creates, um, but it's mm -hmm. the uh, it's the it's the precincts. There's the names and the precincts that they represent. <laughs> so yes, like Hudham South and Rochgate. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> Warby and Harbridge, <laughs> just like it's mm -hmm. just perfect. <laughs> it's pitch Plausible, perfect. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So we got that. We got some AI generated words, which are very uh, realistic. Um, there, the AI generated cartoon voices. It's down now, I guess, but it was. Uh, you can get some good uh, SpongeBob SquarePants uh, text where you type in whatever you want, and you'll have SpongeBob say it for you. Um, <laughs> And then uh, the other one that we we spent some time on was uh, some uh, notorious. Uh, well, we got AI generated notorious Big and uh, um, uh, Gilbert Gottfried uh, reading the Bible. So, um, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> yes, yeah, they have George Carlin doing it too. Um, so it's yeah. So that's that was fun. And then did you did you get a chance to look at that human supposedly generated menu? I did. I did. Yeah. So the, uh, this is a, a menu for a restaurant in Saudi Arabia, which had very clearly used Google translate and not a human, uh, to, uh, to translate these, uh, the names of each of these dishes. Um, yeah, it was making its rounds on, on Twitter last week. Uh, really, really tremendous, uh, translations <laughs> among them. Uh, she is suspicious of cheese. <laughs> Order that up. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. A regular Erica, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> a luxury sofa. <laughs> yeah, um, you got blindfolded ordinary or the royal blindfolded. <laughs> yeah, thank you hummus. <laughs> Tuna is a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's the thing. I, I I think of all the things in the cutting room floor. This is like the. This one fails the Turing test, where the other ones are very plausible. That's right. That's true. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good stuff. And uh, yeah. So to get right into it, uh, the 
so you found this this um, this mask as you know as as offices and restaurants and everything start opening. Um, you know, it's like how are people going to go to restaurants with wearing masks and everything, and then they got to take their masks off and all that stuff. And and you found a solution. Yeah, well, yeah. So these these Israeli inventors have uh, have created a mask uh, that opens by remote control. And so, mm-hmm. uh, if you can imagine a normal kind of hospital procedure mask uh, with a uh, with a black gasket uh, running horizontally across where the mouth should be, you can hit a mm-hmm. button. Um, hideously, the mouse the mask opens the gasket uh, mm-hmm. and gives you a, a mouth. Uh, through which you can shovel your food or uh, put your mm-hmm. gum in or your breath mint or or what have you, and then you press the button again, and the ma- and the mask automatically closes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it it looks like a, like a blood pressure like bulb that you squeeze, and it's like air. Like yeah. you squeeze it, and then it'll open, and you let go, and then it'll close. Yeah, yeah. This is a classic uh, solving a problem I didn't know I had kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. how many did you order? Uh, no, no, none. This is not, not I'm not, not, not I, for you. No, I'm not. A, I'm not. First of all, I have pride. Uh, okay. And, uh, and a sense of self-respect. And, uh, and second of all, I feel like if you are the kind of person who's willing to take a risk in eating out at a restaurant, you are not the mm-hmm. kind of person that is going to be so paranoid that you're not willing to take your mask off to do the eating. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. And I, I'm just, you know, so a couple of things that went through my mind is like that it would be impossible for me to eat chicken wings with that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You know, because you need two hands, and then you get. I'll, I'd have like wing sauce all over the mask, and I, I'd just look like a fool, <laughs> or more like a fool. Um, you know, with with you know a mask with the with the food and crap hanging off of it and everything. And yeah. um, do you do you remember Senor Wences? Yeah, Senor Wences's fist, right? Yeah, that's what that's what I. It it made me think of that for whatever yeah. reason, or, or ventriloquist or something. It's yeah. very much like that. I agree. Um, and the other thing I saw is that, you know, like a lot of the clothing places are starting to, it's like, hey, we're, you know, uh, they're finding new markets. And, and so now Brooks Brothers, you could actually buy masks from them. Oh, nice. I, I, I did not know I could overpay for a mask from them. Mm-hmm. No, and they're pretty reasonable. It's like, like four for 20 bucks or something. Oh, good for them. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. So I could, so I, so I could, uh, I could keep my mask discipline and also uh, rep my favorite well, very good company. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. No, I can imagine them selling them in the airports and and all that stuff. And sure. you know, if you're gonna, if you know, when we start going back to work, you want to look stylish uh, with these sort of things. And you know, compared to like you know having like a a mask with the bottles of Tabasco on it or whatever. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw. I was in a. I, yeah. I was picking up a uh, takeout order the other day, and uh, the woman walked in there with a, um, uh, what I can only describe as a uh, rabbit risk rictus smile on her mask, and it was very disconcerting. Very disconcerting. Not good. Yeah, not great. No. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, and and if that happened to you in Singapore, mm-hmm. uh. You would you could actually get a robot to uh, robot dog to come up to you, and and um, that's I guess it's AI generated and it can detect 
if people aren't social distancing and it will say on by order of the police department, you need to get away from each other. Oh, I saw this. Yes, I saw this. And uh, my first thought was uh, say like pour one out for the Boston Dynamics business development guy who figured out that Singapore <laughs> would buy one of these dog robot dogs oh, yeah. uh, to, do it, the, yeah. uh, to do the enforcement, right? Good for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Yeah, when they did the personas and yeah, right, exactly in the in the in the meeting. So yeah, yeah and this is from a friend of the show, Johan, uh, in uh, SA, a Red Hat Solutions Architect in Australia. Um, so he he found that Senate our way. So thank you, Johan. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and are are you a user of Keybase? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Just the, just last weekend, I uh, I kind of revisited Keybase for a while, and uh, they've added a lot of features since I first signed up, which was right when they launched. And uh, oh. I just cleaned up my profile and and made all my claims on my websites and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, flag flag planning, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, and, and I noticed that they uh, and I noticed that they were acquired. Yes. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It's like I I had I thought you were a user. Not sure if you're a fan. And yeah, they they were acquired a little while ago by Zoom, you know the 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 video uh, conferencing people, mm-hmm. and uh, because it was basically after, you know, the Zoom had uh, Zoom they had all their security troubles and Alex Stamos came on board and everything and one you know just one of the things that they did to show that they're serious about security is that they purchased Keybase.io, which I I would have thought oh man. So much for Keybase.io. It's probably like an Aqua hire or whatever you call it, right? Where you get the people and you just scuttle the service that mm-hmm. that they had, the product that they had. But uh, apparently, what you're saying is that it's still vibrant, which is good. But um, just recently, uh, so you know, Keybase.io. It's it's all about um, uh, what is it? Was it zero trust or or basically you? Um, um, you know, the Keybase, it, they use PGP a lot. They're big PGP fans or Open GPG or whatever, GNU PG. And um, so, you know, they're used to doing like that sort of like um, uh, being able to do the uh, encryption uh, where, you know, Keybase can't listen in at all. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the big reasons why Zoom bought them. Uh, so they, that they, um, that, you know, to bolster their security position. And so um, they just over over the past couple of days, they just made this big announcement that they plan to roll out strong encryption for paying customers. And and what they mean by that of, of strong encryption is the um, is that, you know, peer to peer, you know, where there, nobody's in the middle uh, listening in. Whereas if you're using their free accounts, it's still more of the client server based where, you know, somebody could tap the line and, and listen in. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And they say, and they say that there are actual reasonable, there are defensible reasons for listening in. Right. It's not just for fun. Uh, yeah. So that, that's where, um, this is interesting that, you know, what it talked about, um, you know, that, um, they said, you know, it, it goes back to the the typical thing of the uh, well, what about the child molesters and the terrorists and all mm-hmm. that was was one of their claims, um, you know. And what was interesting is that there was a quote, you know, and they they weren't sure too. It's like, okay, what is this going to mean for people that are using it for free that are like political dissidents or nonprofits or mm-hmm. people like that that you know would really appreciate not having um, 
you know, having the stronger encryption. And um, yeah, and let's see, there was a quote uh, from a guy that says, yeah, um, charging money for end-to-end -end encryption is a way to get rid of the riffraff, including spammers and other malicious users who take advantage of free services. Right. Right. So guess who said that? Uh, I don't know. The Zoom security guy. They were in alignment with that message as if they were in the press release, but it was actually a guy, a technology fellow from the ACLU. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Which surprised the heck out of me. Yeah. Although it is, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I could see that it, it is a consensual service, right? It's not like, uh, it's not like anybody's being forced to use it. And I do, I, he is, it doesn't sound right coming from the ACLU, but he's not wrong in the sense that, uh, charging money for an, uh, raising the bar for participation by charging money is a way of warding off, uh, spammers and malicious users and stuff like that. That is, mm -hmm. that is, mm -hmm. that is actually demonstrably true. Right. Um, Yes. Yeah, you you put a money barrier in there, but I, I don't know how a spammer. How would a spammer use Zoom? Oh, uh, you could just join a random Zoom meeting and uh, play an advertisement, for example. Yeah, I guess, I guess. But I mean, you could. They could have lobbies where they could admit people, and yes. you know, and that's what they're doing now. Yeah, that's right. Although you can imagine, you know, uh, a lot of Zoom meetings are kind of like known participants, like a lot of friends who already know each other. But I, you can imagine mm -hmm. uh, city council meetings, like a, right? Yeah, political town hall yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, it, it, the point's well taken. It's you know, if you got to balance this stuff off, you, you know, if you do end-to-end -end encryption, you can't stop the baddies from doing stuff everywhere. And so, uh, at least creating a safe space and charging money to create that safe space um, makes sense if you're Zoom is it good for the world or is it as good as it could be for the world? Probably not. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. It's like, should, if the security is there and it, is it, if it's, is it, you know, I could imagine if it was a strain on the systems and, and cause it, it may actually have less server overload if it's point to point. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, should security be sold separately? Or should you know there be like weaker security for a free version of something? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a there's a I think it's I think we could conceive of a, of a there's kind of a, a minimum level of security one should expect. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for example, uh, like Gmail is not end-to-end -end encrypted, and right. doesn't seem to bother several billion people, right? Um, right. Uh, and if you want to make that a uh, if you want to make it a, a, if you are the kind of a person who is who wants end-to-end -end encryption, charging somebody extra money in order to get it, uh, I mean, it's it's a business decision. It's not an ethical or moral decision, but it's a business decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it it does make sense, um, mm -hmm. and especially when the trade-off is okay. Well, uh, the alternative would be um, give, providing end-to-end -end encryption to everybody, and then possibly creating a space for bad stuff to happen, you know, terrorists, child pornography, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The only other kind of ethical way of doing it is just eliminating the free tier altogether. If, if we say that end-to-end -end encryption is, uh, is a minimum, right? If end-to-end -end encryption is 
uh, is the lowest threshold we're, we're willing to tolerate, then um, that mean, probably means not doing a free tier, right? Maybe. Or is there are there other ways that, you know, it's like take a step back from end end encryption and say mm -hmm. that should it, you know, what about TLS versus not TLS or, oh, we're going to do MD5 instead of SHA-256 or something like that right. um, for the free tier. And, and it puts the free tier people at risk. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about how web browsers solved this problem, eventually it was the expectation is that you were entering an encrypted website. And when you mm -hmm. were not entering an encrypted website, uh, then you have a warning now, right? Like the, the mm -hmm. lock doesn't mm -hmm. look right on your on your web browser. And you go, oh, what's going on here? Oh, this is an unencrypted connection. Um, yeah. And I wonder if a way of kind of taking the sting out of this is, oh, no, was when you enter an unencrypted Zoom meeting, having a big you know banner warning saying like, hey, just so you know, this is not encrypted. Um, mm -hmm. That way people can um, operate kind of fully informed, right? And then if I don't want to participate in an unencrypted meeting, then, uh, you know, I, I don't. Yeah. And well, the other thing too is, you know, there is like, you know, whenever there was the whole Zoom security thing that came out, mm -hmm. um, there there was, they have two different versions of Zoom. There's the commercial version of Zoom, and then there's the FedRAMP version of Zoom, mm -hmm. which are actually two separate environments. And what was interesting is that people are like, oh, are you using the secure version of Zoom or the insecure version of Zoom? Which is like the wrong way of phrasing it, right? Right. Um, but, you know, that it was pretty interesting there. But as, as a product manager, do you want to have a quote-unquote secure version and, a, and an insecure version? Well, that's, that's certainly not how you want to – that's not how you would – Market like it, to, right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not how you want to talk about it, right? <laughs> it's a – I mean, it's really about having a um, – an available or it's well in the case of FedRAMP, I, I would describe it as like it's a compliant environment versus a non-compliant environment. Um, right. cause actually in fact, FedRAMP, you know, involves more than just security. It also involves, you know, continuity of operations and, and, and stuff like that too. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, having, uh, no, I mean, you always want to provide, uh, the most secure possible thing within reason. Right. Um, so like in the case of RHEL, like we ship a whole bunch of security technology. We do our best not only to have like sensible defaults um, on those on those security settings, uh, but also mm -hmm. giving people enough tools so that they can stay informed and have control over the kinds of trade-offs that they make, right? Mm -hmm. um, and make it as easy as possible to choose what trade-offs they're making because it's always a trade-off. Um, and so, uh, but again, that's, a case, that's in a case where you have a, it's basically always a paid experience. Um, so right. if you, if you're entering that, if you're entering the rel experience, um, you are always, uh, it's, we're not disadvantaging everyone necessarily. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and so a good example, actually a great example of this are a core or a compare and contrast with, um, if somebody's using Red Hat Enterprise Linux today, they have access to a whole bunch of, um, let's call it security advisory coaching through the insights service. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. whereas if they're using CentOS, they do not have their, that kind of coaching is not available. Now, one way of telling that story is that CentOS is, is less secure than RHEL. Um, but a, I think a more accurate way of describing it is that with RHEL, you are getting a better security experience. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A more responsive one. Right. And it, it sort of goes back like when, you were in the field of like how many times have customers come to us saying that we need to do a security 
a, a secure version of Linux. And and we're like, no, we're going to make Linux secure. Where you know instead of having you know we're going to make SE Linux the default yeah. and have it enabled and enforcing by default um, as much as we can, um, and not have uh, like a haves and have nots, and yeah. which creates technical debt for us too, right? To maintain multiple versions and having oh, a yeah. QE. You know, it, it extends your your QE uh, matrix as well. Yeah, no, that's right. I'm sure there's, I'm sure somewhere there is a product manager at Zoom trying to figure out how we can just get the entire Zoom customer base operating out of the FedRAMP environment so they don't have to stand up two of these things. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then say it's like, oh, well, this is a military-grade encryption written right. by Navy SEALs. That's and, right. You know, yeah. all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Good. Um. Yeah. So let's, and so how have you been longing to stay at a hotel? Uh, yeah. In my, in my weaker moments, yeah, I have missed, um, I have missed that signature Marriott smell. I'll admit that. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Um, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. And did, did I tell you, I actually had American Airlines call me to see how I was doing. Oh, really? That was nice of them. Yeah. It was the most awkward call, you know, where, you know, like, this lady was like, like, um, you know, um, like, well, I actually called her back because it's like, oh, I got to get in on this. So it's like I called the 800 number they gave me and, and they're like, yeah, Mr. X, we just want to see how you're doing with all the, you know, shelter in place. And is there anything we can do? And you could tell she was like kind of reading from a script, but also like probably yelled at a lot by people saying, why are you calling me? And, you know, you're a spammer. And, you know, right, right. so she was it was just. You know, and, and I actually hammed it up in terms of like telling her how I was doing and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and she's, it, I just blew her mind. It was great. <laughs> it's funny. If I, if I needed, if I needed comfort and sucker in these, in, in these trying times, uh, it is not going to come from American Airlines. I can promise you that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. There, um, yeah. And so anyhow, hotels, um, yeah. So did you ever like, you know, you go to like one of the fancier hotels, right? And then you, you have the, you go in the closet and you, have, you see a robe in there. You have the option to buy it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. How, how many of them have you ever bought? Uh, just, just one, uh, to commemorate a honeymoon. Which okay. I feel like is All right. A defensible enough. choice. Yeah. But otherwise That's, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Cause there was, um, uh, I never bought one. I you know from you know like I don't even buy stuff out of the mini bar. It's like not going to do it. I mm -hmm. just I draw a line, right? Um, Eight dollar Coke or something. But there's this uh, investigative journalist that was like looking around, and it winds up that the um, the fancier hotels have a lot more theft than the more budget hotels. Really? Yes. Yes. And, and so, and I think it's because it's like, Hey, I spent all this money. So I have a sense of entitlement and I could take whatever. Right. But some of this stuff was like pretty amazing. So one of the things that he talked about, um, at the Beverly Wilshire, uh, hotel, um, somebody stole a marble fireplace <laughs> and they like cut it out of the wall with a chisel and he even got a bellboy to help load the pieces into a truck. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you get in a jam and you need a marble fireplace on short, you know, on short notice, you know, that well, I if guess, you really like it, you yeah. know, or you're commemorating your honeymoon and it's like, <laughs> oh, that's right. 
Yeah. I'm going to remember this moment forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, the, yeah. And, and it's like uh, some other things that got stolen, like beyond like soap and pens and stuff. Um, people have stolen TVs, pianos, Yikes. Uh, mattresses, and taxidermied animals. <laughs> and, and he said that a television is nine times more likely to be stolen out of a five-star hotel than out of a four-star hotel. Wow. Yeah. And it, there's also, there's a betting scam that it's like, what you do is you bring some old betting from home mm-hmm. and then you switch it out just before checkout. Oh, that's a good idea. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. You can upgrade and yeah, it's like, well, where did the Superman comforter come from? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then people have stolen mattresses. Uh, like I can't imagine. Right. Um, but yeah, and then um, there was another thing that he said that somebody stole bath fixtures uh, uh, from a rainfall showerhead to an entire sink. <laughs> yeah, and um, the most probably the most egregious one was that they had this visiting uh, quote unquote artist, and this guy will check into hotels with a shipping crate that supposedly contains all kind of unfinished canvases and and all that for the local um, uh, local gallery show. But the crate is empty. And, but what he does is he like fills a crate up with like stuff and, and then, um, and then just takes it right out of the, his hotel room as, as he lifts stuff out. And, and so this guy is like, he's been going to five-star hotels all over South America and he hasn't been caught yet. That's amazing. I, how much stuff do you have to steal to cover a racket like that. Do you know what I mean? Cause you still got to pay for the hotel room and you got to travel and all this other stuff. Like, can you steal enough televisions to pay for that? Well, maybe if you use like a fake credit card or, or you okay. skip out before paying, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Right. But, but you know, and then the thing is that, um, when they talk, the guy, the, the reporter talked to the hotels, he said that the hotels never report the thefts to the police because they don't want the bu- bad publicity. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is that even if they did like take him to court, it's like almost impossible to prove guilt because so many hotel employees can have access to the rooms. And there's like all these privacy laws, like in Germany of not having cameras for people and stuff like that in hotels and all that. So what you're, what you're telling me is it's a perfect crime. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. That's great. That's good. That's good to know. Now, you know, now I know for that. So whenever you want to upgrade your fireplace, um, yeah, you know what to do. That Nespresso machine is mine now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, that I can, now that I know I can steal it with impunity, that, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and this, and in fact, the, the, I forget if it was the in, in investigative journalist or the person, he, uh, a person he interviewed, but this guy, one of these guys actually decorated his house with like all this stuff. Like he actually paid for it from all these five-star hotels where, you know, he bought the, I don't know, the Marriott incense maker, the, um, you know, like all, all this stuff. And where for me, it's like, no way. I, I don't want to, I <laughs> like, I stay in enough hotels. I don't want to remember that I was in a hotel. I don't care how nice it was. Like it's, it can't be that great. Well, I don't know, man. Maybe, maybe, you know, it's possible he was raised by a hotel. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Interesting. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. 
All right. So if if people need to see uh, what else they have, uh, we got some uh, notorious B.I.G. He reads the Bible too. Um, and and uh, you want to find some uh, people you want to vote for that don't exist? Uh, where, where should we send them? They need to go to dgshow.org. It's a D isn't Dave, G isn't Gunner Show dot org. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's another one in that you can get Ayn Rand reading the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's so there's, there's something for everybody in there. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, um, you'll have... Uh, some more teeth uh, stories coming out. I'm, I'm excited to hear about the upcoming two-car garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Uh, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yep. Sounds good. Okay, Gunner. We'll see you later. Thank Thanks, you. everybody.